Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. And uh, this is episode 47 of the Canadians Connection Podcast. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined by the editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, the Alexander Radulov, to my Marc-Andre Bergeron, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. Uh, and just a little behind-the-scenes stuff for uh, our listeners. Uh, don't you hate when we're having this really in-depth conversation about the 2005 <laughs> draft, and then you hear the opening music playing? <laughs> it's it's just the worst. We were we were so far into that conversation, and it just got cut short like that. But hey, that's that's the nature of it, isn't it? It is. Uh, before we get going here, and we got we got a we got a, a big show, so we have to uh, move it right along. It's August thirty first, and um, uh, for those those uh, listeners who are listening live, uh, and we have plenty of them, um, just want us to uh, remember Jean Beliveau on this day. Uh, August thirty first yeah. uh, was his birthday, and um, uh, he would have been eighty eight. Uh, today and so uh, just uh, we're thinking about uh, Jean Beliveau on this day and it's it's honestly it's hard to believe that it, it's been almost almost five years since uh, it, yeah. he passed away absolutely and and yes of course we uh, we dedicate this episode to Jean Beliveau's memory and uh, obviously a, a legend um, but yes, as you said, we, we do have a lot to talk about today. This, was been, this has been a crazy week with, with the Canadians very much in the thick of it in terms of, of news that's come out. And we have a, a pair of, of people in the Montreal Canadiens organization making some comments that we're going to talk about. And of course, there was the draft list debacle that we're going to get to in segment two. And uh, we do have the question of the week, as always, because Jonathan Drouin was also in the news. And he's the subject of the question of the week. Will Jonathan Drouin have a breakout year after watching video this summer? So we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes. But I would suggest that we lead off with the comments that were made uh, by Max Domi and Jeff Molson. So we'll start with Max Domi because he's been doing a lot of press and media lately because he is promoting his book that is coming out in October, No Days Off, which is uh, based on his experience being uh, an athlete that lives with type 1 diabetes and and Max Domi is a phenomenal advocate for diabetes and and many you know I'm he's a hero to many many kids I'm sure who uh, who also uh, suffer from diabetes and and you know he is uh, he's somebody that has not shied away from uh, making some statements in the past and the Montreal Canadiens seem to enjoy him in the camera with with uh, you know microphones in front of him because He's a, he's a charismatic guy, and he says what, what comes to his mind. And so, with, uh, with that said, he was uh, with the media when he uh, was asked about the differences between Toronto and Montreal, because he's got a unique experience having grown up 
with his dad playing on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he knows very well the, the fan base of Toronto. But he's playing for the Montreal Canadiens. So he said that nothing even comes close to Montreal and their fans. And when he was asked what the difference was by Mark Masters at TSN, he said, they've won 24 Stanley Cups. So for Max Tomey, <laughs> it's as simple as that. Uh, what did you make of his comments this week? Well, he, he certainly um, intentionally or unintentionally um, uh, stirred the pot by, by making that comparison between um, uh, playing in Montreal and and playing uh, and and knowing what it's like his dad having um, uh, played in in um, uh, Toronto and and uh, you know Max was around the the rink a lot. He he talks a lot about Matt Sundin and and one of the reasons that. Uh, he wears number 13. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, he, he stirred the pot. And, and uh, when he was kind of asked to uh, uh, to follow up on that, he, he didn't shy away at all. Um, and, no. uh, you know, uh, he, I, playing in big markets and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he, knows what he's doing. he likes to be the center of attention. You know um, that Canadians fans are going to appreciate what he said. You know that Leafs fans are going to hate what he said, and and uh, <laughs> he he fully expects to hear uh, from the the Leafs fans uh, when when they play in Toronto. Yeah, and I mean only only a Domi in the midst of promoting a book that is so inspirational could just in, just be a little bit of an instigator and just agitate just a little bit. He just crossed that line oh so slightly. But, uh, yeah, he certainly, in August, I mean, mind you, where there hasn't been uh, Habs and, and uh, Leafs game for four months, and here we are now with a rivalry reignited in a way that I think that only Max Domi could do, having experienced both sides of it. Um, the first time so, I met Max, the very first time I met yeah. Max Domi was in Winnipeg. It was in the Polar Park Mall going up uh, an escalator. Um, I was on one stair. Uh, two stairs behind were, uh, was Max Domi, uh, was Ty Domi, uh, and holding a baby in, in his arms. And I turned around and said hello. And, and he said hi. And, and uh, I said, who's that? He said, this is Max. <laughs> Meet Max. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I met Max quite early in life. But as, as you said, an inspirational story. And I think the best part of that interview was him talking about his type 1 diabetes yeah. and really interesting um, um, uh, conversation about his his service dog and the role that yes. the service dog plays. Uh, I found that fascinating and, and it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, absolutely. Would recommend watching that. Just the, uh, yeah, the service dog is just incredible. And, uh, and he says as much, he says that it's probably smarter than him or, uh, or something along that's those what, lines. That's what he said. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we did have other comments. These ones made by the Canadian's owner, Jeff Molson. And he said that he's excited about the next three to eight years. And the reasoning for that is because of the core group we have, the newcomers and the really newcomers, I think we're going to have a good team. And he looks, he goes even further saying the core group from last year is coming back, hopefully with a little more fire in their bellies. So when you hear Jeff Molson say those things, do you put much stock in that? Do you think that, you know, he's somebody that 
has a little bit more of a say in, in what Montreal is doing? And, and is there pressure, I would imagine, coming from him to make the playoffs? You know, um, we've, we've complimented Mark Bergevin uh, for recognizing the, the limits of his role, which he didn't do early on uh, in his tenure with the Canadians as GM. He tried to do everything and, and uh, micromanage everything. And um, since a, a bit of a, a disastrous season, he's taken a, a step back and allowed good people to do their jobs like Trevor Timmons, like Shane Churla. Um, and, and you just wish that Jeff Molson would learn from that and do the same thing. Jeff Molson has, uh, no hockey experience. Sure. He's been around hockey his life, but, um, his, his real, um, need or desire to be a co-GM with Mark Bergevin, uh, hasn't fared well over the, the past few years, uh, him being in on, on hockey decisions. And, and I really wish he, he wouldn't involve himself this way. Um, but it, it, it is a glimpse into, I mean, this, this non-specific uh, date range, three to eight years, yeah. you know, in, in five years uh, when the Canadians are, are passing that 30-year drought, if that is the case, nobody's going to remember what, uh, what Jeff Molson said. So he's got a bit of a protection uh, there. But uh, I think it kind of gave a glimpse into the Canadians' philosophy. And we remember back in the Sebastian Ajo uh, when we talked about that, we, we mentioned uh, Elliot Friedman's um, uh, theory about Mark Bergevin and that, that he's, he's, he's afraid of, of success or he's afraid of talent, uh, which was interesting at the time. And, and, and uh, you should go back and listen to that if you, if you missed it over the summer. But the Canadians' philosophy, um, uh, Jeff Molson kind of uh, nodded to that, saying that um, they wanted to assemble, you know, you assemble an exciting team. And we heard last season they wanted to assemble, assemble an in- entertaining team. Um, and certainly Mark, uh, Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson and Claude Julien want a team that's good enough to make the playoffs. But after that, as Jeff Molson said, anything can happen. And that's kind of the, uh, yeah. maybe following the St. Louis blues model. Um, they, and, and the opposite as, as Elliot Friedman, uh, pointed out and in, as he was explaining his theory, they believe that if they load up, if they go out and, and, and stack the team, if, if Mark Bergevin had actually, um, you know, Friedman called it a half-hearted effort for Sebastian Ajo. If he had actually gone in to get, and they started assembling talent, um, they would raise expectations. And then if they failed, Bergevin and Molson feel that that would do more damage to the organization and certainly do more damage to Bergevin. And, and, and Molson is if they had added a bunch of talent um, and then not um, uh, uh, won the cup. Um, instead, the philosophy seems to be uh, put together a good enough team to be exciting to make the playoffs. And then, you know what, anything can happen over the next three to eight years. Yeah. And and this kind of reminded me, if you remember last year, the Ottawa senators, the infamous video of Eugene Melnick talking with Mark Borowiecki, and it had a lot of this, it had a lot of similarities. I will say the Canadians are probably in a, a little bit better shape than the Ottawa senators are, but there was a very non-specific timeline in both of their comments, Melnick's last year, 
and now Molson with three to eight years. And it focused on the same kind of things. You have young players coming in and you have, we've got a base, we've got a core group of guys that played well last year. And there's a little bit more evidence to support that for Montreal than there was for Ottawa. But even still, when an owner speaks, and, and I don't know if I'm alone on this, I, it always comes across the tad disingenuous because they have so many motives going into next season. And we yeah. saw last year, one of the things that the Canadians sort of struggled to do was, was kind of sell tickets, which was a weird thing for Montreal. Like on a Saturday night, you would see like empty seats just kind of scattered around, which doesn't happen all that often. It, it wasn't so much a problem later in the season, but early it was a little bit more difficult because they weren't coming off of a good year. And then, you know, you want to get, you want for an owner, you know, revenue, all those things. So there's a lot of different factors that go into that. And anytime an owner speaks, I'm just, I just prefer that, that they don't because it, it just comes across as disingenuous. And I'm not saying, you know, cause owners sometimes have to speak. That's, that's the role. Sometimes you have to do that. But as you say, it seems as though Jeff Molson wants to be the co GM and be a part of the hockey decisions that are made. And that's when it, it seems to cross a line, at least for me. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it, I think that uh, if we look to um, uh, a better structure for the organization is bringing in a, you know, a, a president, a, a, yeah. a president of hockey operations kind of thing that can take that role that, that Jeff Molson seems to want to be playing. Yeah. I, I would agree there. And, and, you know, that would be a, a guy that would oversee what Mark Bergevin does and, and maybe limit some of the, uh, the trades that he would like to make. But as we <laughs> saw in a video that we're going to talk about later on, that's not easy to do. But uh, speaking of one of the trades that Mark Bergevin has made in recent times, it was just about two years ago where they traded Mikhail Sergachev for Jonathan Drouin. And Jonathan Drouin is coming off a bit of a down year. He, uh, he only had three points in his final 18 games played. So he has a lot of reason to want to come back and prove that he is not that guy, that he actually can contribute to a playoff team and a team that could actually make the playoffs ideally. Uh, But uh, yeah, so he said, and this was a tweet from Eric Engels. He has been watching film with Habs assistant coach and a guy who coached Drew in junior Dominic Ducharme. And uh, Ducharme said that this was 100% Drouin's idea. He wanted to do this. Um, so what do you make of the film watching during the summer as opposed to maybe getting on the ice and, and training a little bit more than watching some film? Well, um, as Drouin acknowledged himself, it was an extended uh, slump. It, it's probably um, a slump is, is too small a word because – um, as he said, it was 30 games um, and uh, starting in early February, 30 yeah. games slumped to end of the end of the season. And that's a third of the season. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, uh, Jonathan Duran said there was, it had nothing to do with his conditioning, his level of fitness. Um, but he was, he was puzzled. Um, and we know that last uh, year while he was going through the the, the slump, that um, his his way to try and break out of it didn't work. But his way was to go to video, and he watched 
videos of himself uh, playing junior hockey in the queue because uh, that was a time he really loved and, and he was successful yeah. <laughs> and, and he wanted to, to figure out what he was doing in junior that, that uh, wasn't going well in the NHL. And, you know, they're, they're two different, they're two different leagues, two different games, two different, uh, you know, a different way to be uh, successful. And, and um, you know, we hear that, that this video session or the, the, the sessions with Ducharme happened early in the summer. Um, and again, uh, they included things he did well, things he didn't do well, uh, and some cue video as well again. Um, and I just couldn't, you know, what's Ducharme going to say by watching the video? Um, well, you're, you're, you're lazy there, uh, Drew. Um, well, see, um, you know, you didn't work very hard right there. Um, well, look at that. On that play, you gave up completely. Uh, you stopped skating. Oh, look at that play. You coasted there. I mean, it, it's a pretty general yeah. game. Um, uh, you know, he he was really not trying very hard. Um, and uh, Engel said uh, in, in his article that Duran didn't change his workout regime didn't hire a skating coach, although he said he was looking for his, his speed. I think that was uh, Duran's quote. Uh, Engel said he didn't alter his schedule um, ice uh, on ice versus off ice, uh, the type of training he did. And um, uh, Jonathan said, honestly, there's not much that's changed. Um, so, I, you know, there, there's this excuse that he's young, uh, but we have to realize he, 322 games of NHL experience over five years. We're kind of getting to the point where we know what we got. Yeah. Um, and when asked what he learned from um, watching video, he said, well, there's some stuff where I complicate things a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I should be doing things um um, when I played my best games in junior. Um, and he said, I put too much pressure on myself. I, I don't think he put enough pressure on himself, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, there, there's, when we look back, even in those, the games uh, where he was uh, getting points up to February, um, he wasn't, uh, as we talked about previously, he wasn't, uh, getting those points against playoff teams. He wasn't getting those points against uh, in, in significant games, in games that the Canadians needed him. He was not there. He was, he was certainly racking up the points against Detroit's and, and the others, but yeah. um, he wasn't getting them against the tougher competition. Um, and, you know, I know that people point can point to, a handful of plays during the year where he'd come back defensively or he'd work hard to uh, retrieve a puck, but, but complete games. Um, I don't, uh, where he worked hard in all zones. Uh, it's pretty hard to find those examples and that's yeah. what he needs. He needs to be working hard uh, whether he has the puck or, or not. And, and um, I think, I think that's, I, you know, in those the the twenty six games uh, or so where where he um, his final twenty six games of the season, I would submit, 
I would submit that Shea Weber did more in the 24 games that he missed due to injury because it was with yeah. the team. He was uh, morale. He, he put uh, into the Cape. He was, uh, you know, mentoring. Uh, he did more in those 24 games than Jonathan Duran did in his, his uh, uh, final 26 games of the season. And a lot of people were jumping to pat Jonathan Drouin on the back for taking this in, this initiative. And listen, that's it's it's fine. It's it's great that he it was his idea to look at some film that hopefully had a little bit more negative than positive that he could take away and learn something from. But as you said, a lot of it's just going to come down to effort. And you have to know at least early in this next season that's upcoming, if Jonathan Drouin gets off to a hot start you know that people are going to rush to say, well, it was the work that he put in over the summer with, with Dominic Ducharme. But here's the issue with that. I don't think Jonathan Drouin should be judged for the first three months of the season because that's not where he had trouble last year. Because as you mentioned, he's racked up points against teams that were non-playoff and they were never even going to be close, like Detroit and Ottawa. But when it came down to beating a team like Carolina, especially late in the season, a 2-1 game in overtime in Carolina, that, you know, if, if he gets, I said that he had three points in his last 18 games, you had five points, which isn't asking a whole lot, then, you know, you're, you might flip that result. You might flip some of the results late in the season. And that's when he's go, going to need to be judged because you look at what he did late in the season when games start to tighten up across the league. It's not just even teams that are out of the playoffs, they're going to start playing a little bit tougher because they're going to want to go into next year feeling a little bit better about themselves. You know, some are tanking, but I mean, there's still going to be teams that are looking to add a little bit for next season and and feel like they're, they're actually a, a good team. And at the end of that season in March and April, that's when games tighten up. And that's when Jonathan Drouin is that that's when he needs to be judged for what he's done. Not, October, November, December, because he's going to rack up points in those months. And he did it last year and it meant nothing for the Montreal Canadiens long-term. So when you go into next season, I would ask that fans be a little bit patient and wait until the second half of the season and reserve judgment on what Jonathan Drouin has done until then, because that's when he started to struggle last year, like noticeably struggle. There was, there's issues throughout the year, but that's when it really kicked in when the games tightened up. Agree completely. And I thought it was really interesting um, that Claude Julien, I mean, Claude Julien said uh, at the golf tournament said um, all the, you know, uh, cliched kind of things. Yes. He's, he's still young and, and it's nice to see him uh, trying to improve. But then he said, um, uh, that he he didn't get inside. Uh, why did he fail? Why why did he stop scoring? Because he didn't get inside. In other words, he was being too much of a perimeter player. And I think in a kind of a roundabout way, polite kind of way, uh, uh, Claude Julian hit the nail on the head. And it's the reason that uh, Drouin ended up being uh, bumped down to the third line because he wasn't working very hard to get inside and that's where he needs to be to use his shot uh, to make the goals or create the rebounds that where the, his line mates can score. Um, and, and so at least uh, Claude Julien, um, uh, you know, I think realizes um, how Duran must play to be successful in that short statement. 
Yeah, and, and as I mentioned off the top of the show, we're going to be getting to the question of the week, which is, uh, Jonathan Drouin is the subject of uh, this week. Uh, will jo- Jonathan Drouin have a breakout year after watching video this summer? So we're going to get to your answers in the third segment. But before we get there, uh, Jonathan Drouin, a client of uh, Alan Walsh, and Alan Walsh added to his client base with a familiar name who we've talked about on this podcast in recent weeks, which is uh, Andre Markov, who is eyeing a return to the NHL, as we, as we have come to know. And now he has recruited uh, Alan Walsh to aid him in uh, getting back into the NHL. And, you know, I think that there's been a lot that's come out about Andre Markov. And, and Alan Walsh has gone on to say that there are 31 teams and we're open to talking to each of them. But does it not feel like Montreal has kind of got first dibs if they want Andre Markov at this point? Oh, I think so. Um, uh, Alan Walsh is trying to, you know, uh, generate the the interest in him and, and generate the spin. Um, but, of course, Andre Markov's heart still uh, in Montreal. 990 regular season games. Of course he wants to play that thousandth game with, with the Canadians. Of course he doesn't. He said he doesn't want to change uh, jerseys. Um, you know, and, and he thought that, that uh, all of the time that he's put in, the, um, the, the, the respect, there should be mutual respect there, and he found there wasn't. And I was really a surprise for him. I think it hurt him uh, a lot. And it took him the, the full two, two years, maybe not even over it now, uh, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, last time in the negotiations, Andre Markov didn't think that he needed an agent um, because of his long ten- tenure, because um, he-, he felt that it could work it out like uh, like friends. And and um, and he w- it was clear that Bergevin disrespected him. And so, as I said to you, when the news came out and I and uh, I said it not very eloquently, um Bergevin was a prick to to uh, Andre Markov <laughs> last time around, so Markov went out and found a bigger prick in in Alan Walsh, and that's basically what what's happened here. Yeah, he's brought in the big guns. Uh, so, I mean, I would love to see Andre Markov back in a Canadian's uniform, and and to get that 1,000th game, that would mean to me a lot because just growing up watching Andre Markov and a guy that. And he's not, it's just not nostalgia. It's not for that reason alone, but you look at the power play that could probably use somebody that could actually, you know, tee up some one-timers for Shea Weber, just be a little bit more of a reliable producer as a power play quarterback than Jonathan Jerwan was. But I guess we don't really know that he won't be that until we see what he's watched in film. But, you know, like that would be something that you, you, bring in an element to this team that isn't there at the moment that Andre Markov brings in spades. Like we've talked about on the show, he's got quarterbacking a power play down to a science, Le- like legitimately he can, he knows what kind of spin to put on a puck. If he's laying it in for a right shot or a left shot, he knows how to do that. So to me, I think it would just, it would be a, a really cool thing for Montreal to do this, but uh, I, I don't know if, if that's going to be something that we see because uh, Mark Bergevin wasn't uh, wasn't too keen on bringing him back the last time, so uh, at age forty, I'm not sure what to expect. I, I think it's fair to say that uh, two years ago, Andre Markov's uh, in the lineup. The Canadians don't have such a disastrous season. Last year, Andre Markov's in the lineup. They make the playoffs. This season, I don't know. I don't know where he fits. Um, 
I, I don't think any of us watch the KHL closely enough to, <laughs> um, to see where, you know, where he is now. Um, but with, with, without much improvement on the left side, um, you know, Sherratt, a marginal improvement, maybe over, over Jordy Ben, um, is there, is there a potential there that he could come in? And, and as you said, particularly on the power play, um, where uh, they just don't have anyone who can compliment Shea Weber uh, at this point to, uh, to set up that, that big cannon. Well, and there's also, I mean, there's another left shot defenseman that has been linked to the Montreal Canadiens. And this was by Elliot Friedman when he appeared on Tim and Sid. And, uh, well, he said that the Canadians are still looking to add or improve their team. Even at this late juncture, on August 31st, as we sit here right now, they're still trying and, and looking for an avenue where they can improve this team. And he also suggested that earlier this summer there was interest in Jake Gardner from the Montreal Canadiens, but that interest wasn't reciprocated by Jake Gardner. So uh, as we sit here right now, the Canadians don't have that puck mover on that left side that's, that's of a Jake Gardner kind of caliber, or at least a, an Andre Markov from a couple of years ago. But what did you make of those comments? I guess first the Canadians still looking to improve, and then Jake Gardner. Well, um, it, is Jake Gardner the, the perfect fit? I, I don't know about that. I've I've not been on, high on him. Is he better than than – anything the Canadians have on the left side. Well, I think that's fairly obvious. Um, but uh, I thought it was, was a little telling that, that Jake Gardner's uh, or a uh, said that, uh, you know, uh, Jake Gardner wasn't necessarily interested in coming to Montreal. Um, but, uh, you know, as Claude Julian, uh, Elliot Friedman um, um, referred to Claude Julian, again, speaking at Druin's golf tournament, saying, well, you know what, um, we still have time. There's still uh, over a month till the season begins, and, and maybe we're not done, uh, which raised some eyebrows. And, um, and then Julian said, draw your own conclusions what that means, um, <laughs> basically. Uh, but it just kind of signals, and again, Friedman mentioned this, that Bergevin likes the action. He likes to be involved. He likes to be the center of attention, always likes to be doing things, um, Friedman even kind of hinted at, at maybe an offer sheet. Uh, another offer sheet would be coming uh, closer to the start of the season. Uh, but he also talked about, uh, Friedman did, uh, that uh, there's a lot of internal pressure um, um, for the Canadians to make the playoffs this year, given that uh, they've missed three of the last four years. And, and if they miss again, it would be unprecedented in Canadians history. Yeah, and certainly there's there would be a lot of pressure for the Montreal Canadiens to uh, make the playoffs after these last two seasons and sp- after last year specifically coming so close. Um, so that remains to be seen if they'll uh, make a late addition or a, or a trade just before the season starts. So we'll have to uh, wait and see on that one. Um, and, and also keeping with uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet, uh, they said goodbye to some recognizable names and, and people that uh, that you know, have been there since the beginning, basically. I mean, you have Nick Kiprios and, and Sportsnet. Uh, Kiprios released a statement saying that Sportsnet and, and I have decided to part ways. And then after that, you had Doug McLean and John Shannon, who uh, also tweeted about their last 10 years spent at Sportsnet. Uh, 
and that they would no longer be with the network. So it seems as though the hockey coverage next year for Sportsnet is going to be looking uh, just a little bit different. So uh, we wish those guys the best, of course. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's something that maybe the, uh, that Sportsnet, when they, uh, you know, got the, the contract and brought in uh, Hockey Night in Canada, um, didn't quite um, make the staffing cuts that they needed to. Uh, but that's, that's a lot of people. When you look back over the past year uh, and you start including George Strombolopoulos and Darren Millard and Paul Romanuk and Glenn Healy, yeah. And as you mentioned, Kiprios and McLean and Shannon, Bob McCown, Darren Millard, Paul Roman. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of people. And, and it's not just restricted to um, uh, Sportsnet. We saw TSN, we saw, uh, uh, Francois Gagnon, our friend Francois Gagnon from TSN saying TSN 690 would no longer be using his services in the upcoming year. So we all, yes. we wish them all yeah. well. And it's nice to see, we see Darren Millard, um, announcing that he uh, will be with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights um, this uh, coming season for uh, pregame intermission, postgame coverage, and, and it's good to see those people catch on. Um, you know what's going to be a nice combination? Darren Millard and Mike McKenna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike McKenna, who just <laughs> announced his retirement. That's the, that's the uh, pregame and postgame um, uh, broadcast crew. That, that's that's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Mike McKenna is a character and a, and a great follow on Twitter, by the way. I've talked about Thomas Placanich being a good follow. Mike McKenna is right up there with him. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be a, he's going to be interesting uh, on, uh, on the post game, the pre and post game coverage for uh, for the Golden Knights. So that that'll be really cool to see. Um, so I guess with all that said, we're just going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the draft list that was leaked and uh, discuss all of the things that come with it and all the behind-the-scenes videos that the Canadians have released. So we'll be right back to discuss that. Stay with us here on Canadians Connection. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rockets more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. 
Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We're talking about Mike McKenna during the break, so I apologize for the for coming back a little bit late. But as I said, going to break, we're going to talk about the draft list that was leaked uh, on. Well, it was first on Reddit. It's been all over Twitter and social media. The Montreal Canadiens. If the if you have a very keen eye in the video, that first behind the scenes video that they posted of the NHL draft. You can see in front of Mark Bergevin at about the 810 mark of that video, a draft list that looks very similar to the one that you see that has been leaked since made the rounds on TBA and social media, as I said. So that has certainly been uh, the talk of Montreal. And, and the Canadians' official Twitter account even denied that and probably the most sarcastic way you could probably imagine, saying, of course, the Canadians did not handwrite their draft list and and it was it looks like the list it was you know they unblurred it and as it got closer it said those things so they had that it was it was rather sarcastic and snarky and then they released part two of the video where everything is blurred out and you can't see anything which kind of makes it seem like they weren't exactly telling the truth when they said that the canadians didn't handwrite their draft list so (laughs) all of the all of this this entire story, what were you making of it as it broke and, and what do you think now? Well, there's, there's a lot of different elements to this, right? And, and yeah. we, we, we um, if, if you go back to last week's episode of Canadians Connection, we broke down the, the first uh, behind the scenes draft video. Um, and, uh, and in trying to uh, determine um, you know, who, who is on the Canadians list? And, and um, we wondered if well, we, th- we thought perhaps they were going to focus on defensemen. We wondered if Cam York was there. And last week it was, it was clear that um, there was, there was three uh, 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 players on their top 10 list um, that were still available when it came to pick number 12. Um, and so for them to get one of the players off their top 10 list, uh, they said, uh, uh, Trevor Timmons did, said they needed help. And they were, they were hoping that, that uh, Panthers would, would take the goalie, Spencer Knight. They did. And, and so once that happened, the Canadians knew that they were going to get one of the three players uh, from their list. But we didn't know who, the, who those players were. Uh, obviously, Cole Caulfield was one. We didn't know who the other two were and we were kind yeah. of speculating, but now that the list has, um, was revealed by, by the Reddit, uh, user, um, it's clear who, who the Canadians, um, uh, who those pl- three players were. It's also clear who the top t- they had in their top 10. <laughs> and I, I guess I was really disappointed by the Canadians, um, you know, trying to, to make fun of, of, uh, of it and, and, and kind of deflect because it was obvious uh, that it was a handwritten list 
and and you had people there there was one tweet uh, just ranted about um the the speculation and it says um if you think for a second that NHL teams bring lists handwritten on napkins, you are more desperate than anything. At least keep it to yourself as it makes you look like an imbecile. Well, that's just a moronic tr- tweet. And I know for a yeah. fact that person has, has not been to a draft in the last six years. And we know, because we've been to those drafts, that, that uh, GMs uh, walk around with little handwritten lists all the time. When yeah. you look, and to explain... Uh, we, we heard Trevor Timmons explain the reams and reams of data, the ranking system, the booklets that they prepared for each person. And we see in front of Mark Bergevin, and he refers to it uh, occasionally during the draft, a thick booklet. It has his name on it, has Montreal Canadiens, and it's, it's, it's um, a thick booklet that with, with lots of information. But we also see a handwritten list. It's his cheat sheet. It's his cheat sheet of rankings, of the Canadians' yeah. rankings. And that's, that makes sense for someone who has stepped away from that, that scouting um, uh, role and left it to Shane Churla, left it to Trevor Timmons and the, the scouting teams. Um, he's made himself a cheat sheet. Um, and actually, if you really look at it, if you look at, at some, some signatures that uh, Mark Bergevin has signed, looks like his writing to be honest um so we look at that list um and some of the names aren't surprises in the canadians ranking system it goes from top to bottom hughes at number one hughes went number one to the devils caco went to the rangers uh that they've got caco at two uh they had the canadians had zegris at three the ducks took him at ninth uh, Byram at, at four, he went four to the avalanche. They had Turcotte at five. He went fifth to the, the Kings and they had Krebs at six. That was, um, Krebs, uh, hung in there until the, the golden Knights picked him at 17. The Canadians had him ranked sixth. And remember there was concern about his Achilles injury that he had. Yeah. Um, at number seven, they had, uh, Boldy who went to the wild at tw- uh, 12th. Um, Pods Colin went to the Canucks, then uh, Doc to the Blackhawks, and then Caulfield rounded out their top 10. Um, Maurice Sider was 11. And then they had a notation that said, um, or, or Bergevin or whoever wrote that said, could go before 15. So they expected all of those picks to go before their pick at number 15. They didn't think they had a chance with any of those top 11. Yeah. And, and Timmons confirmed that when he spoke to the media afterwards, didn't think they had a chance. Bergevin said the same thing. Didn't think they had a chance. So we know that those three players where, where they were picking was, um, was in 15th and ahead of them, was Minnesota, Florida, and Philadelphia, with Philadelphia having moved back to, to the 14th pick. Um, so we had Timmons. Um, we need help. Three guys at 15, we need help. We need help from one team to not take one of the three. Um, so at 12, um, that was, that was uh, 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 the wild took Boldy, who was, who was number seven on the Canadians list. Um, 
and then it got to uh, uh, the, uh, the Philadelphia ahead of them. Oh, well, uh, Spencer Knight was taken by the Panthers. Then um, uh, Philadelphia took Cam York. And then it was to the Canadians pick. And they had a choice between two guys who were left on their top 10 list. Peyton Krebs, Cole Caulfield. And in the second video, you heard a discussion. Yeah. Um, you heard a discussion about, about what to, how they should go. Um, and Chir- Shane Churlis said, uh, either, either one of those guys. He's talking about Peyton Krebs, the center, the playmaker. He's talking about Cole Caulfield, the scoring winger. Trevor Timmons says, we're pretty good down the middle. We need goal scoring. So he's saying we're pretty good with center, uh, not Krebs, the center, the playmaker. He said, we need goal scoring. I say Caulfield. Uh, Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And while this conversation is going on between Shirla and uh, Timmons, um, Mark Bergevin's constantly (laughs) on the phone uh, entertaining offers for the number 15 pick, (laughs) which is strange. Um, And, and Timmons says, if, if, um, if Florida takes uh, Spencer Knight, we're picking. Um, And so uh, the last uh, uh, offer from, from Vegas was their number, their first round pick number 17 and a threat number 15 says, no, we're picking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, decision made uh, and uh, Cole Caulfield was the pick. Interesting enough that, that, you know, in their, their rankings, Peyton Krebs was six, Cole Caulfield was 10. So Peyton Krebs was higher on, on their uh, draft ranking list. However, it seems that in this case, the Canadians didn't pick uh, BPA, didn't pick best player available. They went for need. They went for someone who, who could score, someone who could help their power play. Uh, some, they needed scoring from the wings. All of those check boxes um, uh, matched Cole Caulfield's uh, uh, resume. So uh, they chose based on need. Cole Caulfield over Peyton Krebs. And it's going to be interesting for Canadians fans to watch that kind of comparison play out over the next few years yeah and I think that's that's the part of it that that's the only like when it first happened I didn't really know what to make of it I'll be completely honest I because this doesn't happen this this doesn't happen things leak now you have to kind of be prepared for that to happen unfortunately Uh, not often is it a video made by a team's own YouTube account or their own website in this case that's that's what happened but I didn't know what to make of it to begin with. And, you know, I think that the Canadians were fortunate that at least this didn't happen pre-draft, but again, that would have been in a behind the scenes video. So that wouldn't necessarily have happened if they, you know, if it had come out pre-draft, that's, that's probably not something that would have even happened at all. But, you know, I think that because they picked based off need rather than best player available, you know, a lot of teams probably could have anticipated that the Canadians were going to take Cole Caulfield because they need goal scoring, because they need power play help. So they're fortunate in that regard. But yeah, you have the rankings out there now. So now the Vegas Golden Knights are sitting there saying, well, 
we got the guy that they had ranked higher than the guy that they got. So, I mean, we're sitting pretty right now with the guy that they think is better than the guy, or at least maybe a little bit more well-rounded at this point than the guy that they have. So that's the unfortunate part is, and I mean, Cole Caulfield's not going to get shaken by that. You see him score his first goal as a Wisconsin Badger last night, but that's still something to think about as we go forward. Now we're going to have this comparison between the two that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And, you know, you mentioned the video where everything is blurred out that second video. And this is the part of it that, you know, the fact that they came out with a tweet that denied that, that, that this was something that belonged to the Canadians, that this was their list in such a sarcastic way, and then released that video. It reminded me, it's the old adage, it's, it's better to be thought a fool and, and or better to remain silent, be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And that's what the <laughs> Canadians did because they said that they didn't handwrite their draft list. And then they released a video where everything is blurred out, even lists, even guys that are just walking past the table their logo of of what team they're they're with and their list they're all they're all blurred out you can't see anything so they they're admitting that this is something that happened that they did release their draft list and it was handwritten so that's the part of it to me that was and that that video is actually very there's some pretty funny parts in there where trevor timmons is saying no to a bag of Doritos because the Canadians are the biceps club and all that. So would recommend going and watching that video. And you hear the discussion that you, you alluded to between uh, St. Shane Churla and, and, uh, and Trevor Timmons, whether or not to go with Krebs, the, the centerman or the, the right shot sniper and Cole Caulfield. So this is uh yeah, this is going to be something uh, to watch as, as we go forward with the Montreal Canadians. And uh, certainly it seems as though they've, uh, they want to put this behind them. And that's something that I think could have been done had they just remained silent on the subject and just said, you know what, this happened, but we're happy with the player we got. We're going to move forward and we're just going to forget about this and, uh, and not deny it the way that they did. Now, if the Canadians had only figured out that blur thing before they released video yeah. one, or, or, <laughs> or even I think back to uh, the old 24 CH series back in 2014, if they had fl- figured out that blur thing, when Carey Price was uh, walking around the locker room naked, that that unfortunately made to air. Um, yeah. But, but this, um, <laughs> this, the, the second video, the behind the scenes uh, draft video too, it's all about Bergevin. It's all about, it's a, it's a real focus on Mark Bergevin. Although, yeah. you know, and I had mentioned that uh, I had a cameo in video one, um, this time in video two, uh, yeah. the other members of our group, um, our contest winners were, in, it was the Gallant brothers, uh, that made it into, uh, into video two. So it was nice to see them there. Uh, yeah. but I, yeah, you mentioned the Doritos, it, you know, Mel and B and, <laughs> and Bergevin eating Doritos and Tim and saying, um, you know, I'll have orange fingers all night and then, and then the line, uh, we don't want any of those down here cause we're the bicep club, uh, was, <laughs> was brilliant. Um, I, I also like that, that, um, you know, Timmons is the one he's, he's, he's very much in charge. They, they picked and, and they went back to the table and of course, Burge Vans, you know, getting congratulations and so on, so on. Timmons very strongly says, okay, let's get back to work. Um, yeah. which, which was, <laughs> was fun. And, and, um, uh, Timmons, uh, just little nuggets that we 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 
we see um, in, in day two, Timmons says, okay, let's focus on getting some defensemen. Uh, there was a definite focus on defensemen for, uh, from the second round on. Um, and uh, when Julian comes over to Timmons and says, okay, I'm heading out now, um, but I'll be keeping tra- tabs on the draft. Timmons says to Julian, I'll get you some beef which Julian then <laughs> smiles. And it's, it, I mean, that simple comment, um, you know, I'll do a, do you a favor and, and get you some beef that tells a lot about the players that Julian values. And of course that was, you know, certainly the way he built his, his Boston Bruins Stanley cup team. And, and uh, I, I, I thought that was fascinating as well. Yeah. And, and just, yeah. Seeing those dynamics, because that's not something that you typically see. So these behind-the-scenes videos, which, you know, I could take or leave, to be completely honest, but the one good thing that you see are those kind of dynamics unfold where you have Trevor Timmons, who's very much in charge, and, you know, you have uh, Mark Bergevin basically asking permission to make some trades because he was, he was kind of getting a little bit bored there for a second in the, uh, in the second, on the second day of the draft. But he was impressed with Jaden Struble, saying that he was a Greek god, and uh, and that got some play on <laughs> a lot of people seem to enjoy that comment. But, yeah, it's it's fun to see that kind of dynamic on, on the draft because you, you never really get to or at least you hadn't in, in past years get to to see how kind of the, the sausage was made, so to speak, to see how the decisions come and, and see who's making them really. And, and it was clear that a lot of it was because of, of Trevor Timmons and, and on at least day two. And, and Norlander was another example of a guy where. Bergevin kind of wanted to move that pick, and he was like, no, I, I like this guy. I, I want this guy. And I think Fairbrother was a pretty similar Fairbrother, one. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they were, no, they were kind of on the same page for Fairbrother, I think, but uh, Norlander was one that Trevor Timmons was, was pretty adamant about. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was funny because, as you say, Bergevin was getting antsy. He, he wanted to make a trade, <laughs> and he was constantly on the phone uh, working out deals. He, he wanted to uh, move back. Uh, he was, yeah. he was, he was uh, consistently talking about moving back and even, you know, okay, let's trade our fourth for, for their fourth, just to, just to do a trade. And um, Timmons was like the adult. No, 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 you can't <laughs> trade now. We're picking. Um, it, it was, it was fascinating. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's the that's the good part of the uh, the behind the scenes videos that we uh, that we've got now two behind the scene videos to uh, to enjoy, and uh, and certainly a lot of interesting dialogue in both of them, and some cameos from Rocket Sports Media, one from Rick Stevens, and as you mentioned, the Gallant <laughs> brothers, they were they were there for like five seconds straight, like the camera was just on them. They were there. They were the stars of the show for that uh, period of time. So. Definitely a, a must-watch if you haven't seen it uh, already. Is uh, the day two or the part two of the behind-the-scenes series for the NHL draft. Uh, so we are going to take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. But when we come back, we're going to get to the responses to the question of the week: Will Jonathan Drouin have a breakout year after watching video this summer? So we're going to get to those responses and maybe touch on the rookie tournament that's coming up. Uh, in uh, in Belleville. So stay with us. We'll be right back. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. 
Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 47 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And, uh, of course, you can follow myself and Rick on Twitter, at joeylan 19 for myself, at all Habs for uh, Rick Stevens. Um, so, as we said, going to break, next week there's going to be the rookie tournament in uh, in Belleville, my old stomping grounds kind of <laughs> so uh next week you guys are going to be off covering that for uh for all habs and, and rocket sports media so that's going to be a, a very interesting weekend that's right um rocket sports team um will be there um amy johnson uh, lead from ahl uh, report um and as as we we do uh, um it's the beginning of the canadians uh, training camp season. This, these are the rookies, and it's uh, this is a, 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 a smaller group. Uh, there's three teams in Belleville: the Montreal Canadiens, Winnipeg Jets for the first time, uh, and the Ottawa Senators. Of course, the Leafs are off to uh, Traverse City to the Big uh, Red Wings uh, rookie uh, tournament. Uh, that's an 18 tournament. Um, but we'll, we'll be there. And, and this week, the uh, the list of of uh, players who are going to be at the rookie camp came out. Um, uh, I guess the only, uh, it wasn't surprising, uh, surprising to some who are hoping to see Cole Caulfield's uh, yeah. name on the list. But as we've been telling you all summer, he was going back to Wisconsin. And as you mentioned, um, got his first goal. So um, Cole Caulfield, not on the list. Uh, a lot of the tryouts are, um, uh, from Quebec, plenty of, uh, Quebec born talent on the list. 
Um, but it's going to be a good chance to see Caden uh, Primo is going to be there. Um, yeah. And uh, Ryan Paling. Um, Ryan Paling may be a bit of a surprise uh, to be at the rookie camp. Some of the names you mentioned from the draft, uh, Fairbrother uh, and others, uh, uh, Josh Brook, uh, who may be looking for a bit of a breakout season. Uh, Jake Evans, who ran in some yeah. injury problems, but should have a strong season this year. Uh, and Otto Leskinen, who might be a, an interesting um, an interesting player to watch as the, the season goes on. So we'll have all of that complete coverage from Belleville um, and uh, with exclusive interviews and photos and uh, videos and all kinds of things. Um, next weekend, watch, uh, watch uh, the All Habs account at All Habs and, and at the AHL Report uh, account for, um, for those updates. Yeah, I'm very, I am looking forward to seeing Leskin and, and, of course, looking forward to the uh, fantastic coverage that will be happening next weekend of the, uh, of the tournament. So just keep your eyes open for that. And uh, I guess with that said, we'll dive in to the responses for the question of the week, which was, once again, will Jonathan Drouin have a breakout year after watching video this summer? And uh, we've gotten some, you know, a wide range of responses, which is typical of a question asked about Jonathan Drouin. He's, he's a divisive figure. So you have Samuel Gerber saying, yes, I think Drouin tried to do too much because he can't decide what type of player he is. This year, I expect him to shoot and score a lot more, giving him confidence to be the player he can be. Uh, you have Jim Snedden, who's saying, I sure hope so. He has the skill. It really is up to Jonathan Drouin, has been saying and doing the right things in the offseason. He is one of the players that the Habs need more from to make the playoffs this year. And I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Larry Rush saying, no, he needs to go for the long range health of this team. Work ethic, questionable. The organization must cut ties so he can't infect Suzuki, Paling, Romanoff, Caulfield, etc. So very much on the opposite end of, <laughs> of the spectrum when it comes to Jonathan Drouin. And then we have our, uh, our own Chris G, uh, Chris G uh, saying, it will take more than just video for it to happen. He needs to have a breakout this season. He had a good 55 games last season, needs to be more consistent this year. And uh, replying to him, we've got uh, Mo Fraser saying, my thoughts are that he's an idiot. Definitely has to prove himself if he wants to stay a hab. So that's, also out there, <laughs> you have uh, some people that uh, maybe don't think that Jonathan Drouin is going to improve on Twitter. Uh, there are those that believe that he will, though. So, so what are fa- what's Facebook saying? Uh, much of the same. And, and I think that's the frustrating part for Habs fans is they see a player with tons of talent uh, who, who all he has to do uh, is, is put in the effort and, uh, yeah. and he, he would get the results and, and, that's the frustrating part. So you get both sides of the coin as, as you did on Twitter, uh, on the all Habs uh, fan page on Facebook, we have Rodney Barrett saying, yes, this is his year. Opposite side of the coin. Michael David says, trade him as soon as possible. He's an overrated puck <laughs> hog. Um, we have Alan Valencourt saying drew Ann is one of the worst five on five, uh, forwards in hockey. Doesn't back check floats observes, but doesn't engage is his motto. Um, Andrew Ross said he should show some grit and determination like Gallagher. All right. Yeah. Um, Mark uh, Bazanson says he better have a good season this year, or this may be the end of him in Montreal. 
Raymond Ellsworth oh. says, time to wake up and utilize the potential before it's too late. Neil Gardner says, if he starts taking responsibility for his play, sure. Maybe it's just not skill-related, but hard to believe that such talent forgot how to be in position. And lastly, from Brian Allen, please trade him or send him down. Anything to keep him out of Montreal. He's painful to watch and didn't match the hype with his play. Yeah, and I think, you know, for the responses on Twitter, one of the ones that I agreed with was the that saying that, you know what, he's got to go for the long-range health of this team. And I'm not saying that that's something that, needs, that he needs to go, but looking at that point with those young guys, it's, you know, yes, you can say that Jonathan Drouin is a young player, that he's got room left, but quickly he's going to know, he's going to notice that the team is going to get younger and younger, and he's going to need to be somebody that they can look up to. And if the Canadians don't think that he can be that guy, then they're going to have to make the decision to, to get rid of him before somebody like a Nick Suzuki, who has kind of got a very similar career trajectory, that offensive, dynamic player that puts up a ton of points in junior before he becomes the second coming of, of a Jonathan Drouin and you don't see that consistent effort. So, you know, there's going to be, I think that there's going to be those that say that he's going to break out like we've seen. And, and it's just going to be that kind of back and forth until we actually get to the start of the season and see what he, what he has to offer. Um, so with, uh, with all of that said, I'll say it's about time that we wrap this thing up for another week. And as you mentioned, next weekend, you're going to be in Belleville providing some coverage on the ground uh, for the uh, rookie tournament. So uh, we're going to uh, be looking forward to that and, and all the other coverage that's going to be coming out on all halves as we get ever closer to the start of another NHL season. And next, it's uh, kind of next week and um, with some exaggeration, I don't get back off the road until <laughs> the uh, hockey ends. Uh, yeah. But for, <laughs> for our listeners, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. If they want to get ca- caught up, it's, it's coming to the, the end of their summer. They may have ignored hockey uh, all year. We haven't. We've been here for you. So a couple of things. Uh, I want you to remember three websites um, allhabs.net, allhabs.net. Will, will, you can go there, find podcasts, you can find our written content, and you can, you can catch up that way. If you want to c- catch up on back episodes of this podcast, go to canadiansconnection.com. Uh, if you're interested in prospects and uh, the Laval Rocket, go to ahl.report. And, and um, Chris G has been, been doing some um, exclusive one-on-one interviews with some of the new members of the Laval Rocket. You don't want to miss those. Um, we've got a, a new episode of, of From the Press Box uh, out this past week, uh, the AHL-focused, uh, focused uh, podcast. We have a new episode of, of Habs Unfiltered with Blaine and Treg. Um, we have ours and... and uh, and uh, soon we'll have uh, newer episodes of uh, Have a Listen, four podcasts, all under the Rocket Sports Radio group. And uh, we've, we've, got you, we've got you covered every way that uh, you want uh, about your favorite game. Absolutely. And the coverage just continues to, uh, to come in. So there's just always something to read, something to listen to on allhabs.net. And, of course, with the uh, podcasts, be it the Canadians Connection, from the press box, have a listen, Habs Unfiltered, 
You can find all those on your favorite podcast platforms, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. So this will be uh, next week. We'll come back and discuss all things Montreal Canadiens and see what turns up in the news. I mean, this week was just so much to get to with Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin. So who knows what's going to be uh, going to be there to talk about next week. So uh, for now, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye and uh, thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.